0: If anyone is thinking like and wants to get ahead of the game for the next 2-3 to three years, think about how membership can play into your strategy.
1: Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest Ecommerce. Today, I'm welcoming to the show uh, a guest I've been trying to get a hold of for a while. We finally got him on. Jay from Bold Commerce. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing awesome, man. Thanks so much for having me. I didn't realize I was hard to track down. Sorry about that.
1: <laughs> oh, You've just been a busy guy. Let's talk about how busy you are. You have probably one of the Larger companies outside of Shopify, kind of in this e-commerce direct consumer atmosphere. So, just give us like a, a big, a, a quick snapshot of what Bold Commerce does and what they're bringing to the market.
0: Sure, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's crazy. We're we're getting close. I think we're around 450 people now, so we're getting close to the 500 mark. It's been a crazy journey. So it kind of started. Um, I mean, we launched our, well, I'll go back just a real b- short bit of history, but uh, I, I'm an e commerce store owner and I have been since 1998. Um, grew up in a family business. So I sold bowls, bows and arrows, was actually, I was really big into archery. I was the Canadian champion for a couple of years. And so then in 1998, um, me and my dad, we had a little pro shop and we started selling them online. And then, like I sold on various platforms. I did the eBay thing for years. I did every e-commerce platform at the time. Um, 2010, uh, heard about Shopify. Moved one of the stores on kind of as a test. Uh, it did really well, and Shopify at the time was um, ahead of the game. Like when it kind of came to like themes and out of the box stores looking really good. And they had this concept of an app store, which today everyone that's a normal thing. But back then it wasn't. No, they were the first e-commerce platform that had an app store. Um, it was still at the time very early, like it was very much integrations into things. So, like for example, like an app that would integrate into UPS or into accounting software or into it was all backend APIs. Mm -hmm. But we kind of came at it with, with like thinking like a merchant, like how can we use this app store? Like the apps, I mean, the first app we launched was an upsell app. Which of course lives on the front end of a store. You click add to card and a pop up comes up and says, like, you're buying a leather jacket. It's like, do you want the leather treatment kit? Um, and it actually wasn't the way that Shopify originally intended the APIs to be used. They were more for integrations. We were doing functionality on the front of the store. So, uh, in, in the early days, Shopify wasn't completely happy with the, the way that the reason we were doing that. And it actually took down the entire platform. Um, we would have stores run a sale. And uh, I remember in the early days, it was the chive. They would uh, they would run a promotion and you know hundreds of thousands of people would hit their site. Everyone's clicking and, and the pop-ups are coming up. And every time that happens, there's an API call that hits Shopify and says, Hey, what product? Give me back a product. And, and I, we put that in the offer. Um, but there was no API throttling or limiting. So it actually took down the the ecosystem so you know at the time it was twenty thousand stores not one point seven million that it is today but um so Shopify wasn't crazy about it at first but then of course like merchants loved it so Shopify figured out okay we've got to solve for this and they put in you know API limits and ways that it could be used uh, and then today when you go through the app store it's all front end apps like all the apps like add well not all of them but a lot of them add some front end functionality yeah so we kept growing you know we just kept building uh more apps i think we, we actually got to a point where we had 36 in the app store but we've we've pruned quite a bit uh, i think today we're 8 17 or 18. Uh, we just sunset three of them um we've gone through definitely a, an evolution over the years of of trying to do a lot to becoming a lot more focused at what we really want to well what we are what we care about solving and being really good at it so so today we're yeah, we're uh, around 450 people spread out across North America. We started I'm in Canada. Um we're about 250 up here and then the rest are all around US and Canada.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I got a I got a bunch of questions for you. I mean, just going back to starting and like you know launching an app into the App Store You know, were you passionate about like the tech side, the nerdy side of e-commerce? Like, how did you have this idea to kind of build a a a business in e-commerce outside of the, you know, you doing the direct consumer selling stuff online?
0: It's funny you ask that. Um, I was not passionate about the tech or nerdy side at all, and I was very so. I just saw I, I. I still to this day, like I consider myself, I have a merchant mind. Like I, in my free time, I have family members that have Shopify stores, and I help all of them with it. I just helped one of them run an email promotion last night and getting their Black Friday stuff ready. And like I love that. Like that's like um, at the core of like I like it's just because I've done it all my life. Like I just love commerce. And so um, I actually, so I I'm that's the mind I am. But there's three other partners two of them are developers and one of them was a designer and we all just happened to be really good friends. So I had like zero passion about the technology or anything. I just wanted solutions that made more money for, cause we were still running the stores. Like mm-hmm. we actually, we, we ended up selling them in like 2016, but we kept them for years. And, and eventually it eventually got to a point where, okay, like we just need to focus just on bold. Like we had these stores and the stores were profitable. They were doing great, but, um, you don't you don't die by um, lack of uh, good ideas there's always too many things you can do it's indigestion of, of good ideas and so anyways we, we got rid of the stores in 2016 and just focused on on building the the, the apps but um, but it's funny because I remember so many uh, developers and like in communities people saying like w- anybody have a good idea for an app or anybody have a good idea and I, I remember having this like list of probably a hundred Ideas of things I wanted to do, but it was just not enough time and not enough people. Um, and so, yeah, I think that I, I think it's important to that the, the technology is is amazing on Shopify, but sometimes you got to take a step back. Like that's that's the nuts and bolts to an end, and you want to build something that adds value for for merchant. And of course, like the tech is very important because that affects the speed and affects how it integrates with things and affects. Um, it's robustness and scalability and everything else, but 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 that should always be secondary to like the value that it's adding. And um, so, anyways, I was able to just not think about that at all. Our two partners who were developers focused on that, and I was able to just kind of like have my mind on what's the best. How is this going to make a store more more money? So it really like the the four way partnership was actually amazing um, to kind of get that in the early
1: days. Yeah, I mean, uh, you still see Reddit threads and, and you know people asking in uh, Facebook groups. They're like, "Oh, like what's a problem that needs solved? Like who? Like give me an <laughs> app idea." Like everybody still kind of wants to get in because honestly, you know, there's still money to be made in the app ecosystem within Shopify. There are still awesome ideas out there to be conceptualized and built out and sold on the app store. Like it's yeah, I, obviously you guys have been in the app store like kind of since the beginning, but. There's so many things that you can still do.
0: When we launched our first app, I think um, I think there was around 40 apps, 40 or 50 in the App Store. Uh, today, there's over 7,000 something. I don't know exactly. Um, it's definitely changed. I mean, every day, like we we have a few areas that we focus, and it just seems like every week there's like another one in there, and um, a lot of them are are free or they're. It's hard to tell what is supported and what's not, and um, it's definitely become a crowded space, but I will say that like the cream always rises to the top. Like if you're building a product that adds value for merchants, you care about it, you care about supporting it. You're passionate about the the space or the problem you're trying to solve. And, and even if it's like something that someone suggests to you, and maybe you don't have a lot of history, you research it and you become, you'll, you'll, you'll do well. Like there's, I agree. There's a lot of e-commerce in general is, um, is still only i don't know what it is like 19% roughly of total retail. So um, it's not just the potential in Shopify it's the potential like in the entire market like more and more people in the pandemic has of course accelerated that but uh, I'm very bullish on on e-commerce enablers. So like an app company would be an e-commerce enabler.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I, what I've noticed recently is the new I don't want to say flavor of the week because that sounds like they're they're bad or anything like that, but like the new hotness or whatever, it usually comes out within weeks of a new API release. And I have two examples off the top of my head. Um, when they first released the checkout API like a year and a half ago or something, um, I kind of watched this guy Gil uh, Gil Greenberg. He kind of worked in public and launched that checkout promotions app. Mm-hmm. And it was for the, like the Shopify app challenge, and then he quit his job, and now that's all he's doing. And it like, was a really awesome journey to watch on Twitter. So that came out like right on the tail end of that checkout API thing, and then now Ann Thomas just launched design packs on like the um what was that the online store 2.0 and sections everywhere kind of launch. So uh, if there's developers out there that are thinking and like looking for ideas, like huh. there's a there's a, there's something that you should do.
0: Hundred percent, and even within a certain space, whatever it is, there's different ways to solve it, and and I can tell you, like we, um, like subscriptions are very big for us. We we have upsell, we have different tools. Um, there's always going to be multiple versions of it. It's it's like, it's like apps in an iPhone. You know, Apple makes a very good calendar. They make a very good to do app. They make a very good <laughs> what um, maps app. But you, but you probably don't use all of the Apple products. Um, and then if you use a different one, other people might, depending how you use it and what you're using it for, there's going to be room for um, solving it in a, in a different way or finding mm-hmm. a niche within it. Um, and especially when we're approaching 2 million people on the platform, like the pie is getting bigger and, and the mindset of... You know, there's only so much pie, and if I if I take a bigger piece, someone else gets less. That's like the zero sum mentality, and it really isn't that because uh, the the whole space is growing. So me and you can have an app that essentially do the same thing and both thrive and and be essentially friends. Like it doesn't have to be, um, doesn't have to be like that. Now that that could all change when markets mature, and. Like or you know, like it definitely is, but right now it's not like that.
1: Well, you touched on two things there that I really want to highlight. The first one being is I don't think I've ever been in a community that's like the Shopify partner app ecosystem. There is such camaraderie, and you want everyone to win. It's everyone has this like uh, this like rising tide raises all ships mentality, like referrals galore, and it's it's such a fun place to be in. Um, I know i that experienced that experience on the agency side, and I've, I've kind of heard similar things on the the app side.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's um, you know, Shopify always. I have to give credit to them. Like they've always done a great job of positioning themselves against the against the incumbent, right? Like in the early days, it was. Um, I, I I remember when it was big commerce. Like now, like big commerce probably isn't much on, on their like crosshair anymore. But um, it's still some. It's still I'm sure a consideration. But then it was Magento, um, and then it was you know now it's now it's Amazon. You know arming the rebels and but they've always been able to really build a rally cry and the partner community is on board and we're empowering the the. The small merchants, and you know that's um, that's kudos to Shopify for, you know they say the best brands tell great stories, and I'm not saying it's a story. I'm I'm saying like they're doing a good job of actually relaying what they're doing. Um, where whether they're doing it or not, if you don't tell that story, it's hard to get behind. And I, I think that's that's been a big part. And um, but you're right though. Like we're we're in we're in various um, other communities, and and Shopify is unique for sure in that sense.
1: Yeah, I think that's what kind of drew us as an agency to this ecosystem and we kind of just stopped working with anything else and also just tidbit there just focus on one technology and you just become so much better at it and the your prospects become so much better because you're, you know, uh a specialist as opposed to a generalist, you know. Yeah. If you're going to you got a you got a leaky roof, you're going to hire a roofer not a general contractor. Same concept applies to kind of a service business. Speaking of that, we kind of touched on this in the pre-show. Uh, so bold wasn't always just an app company, and I think that's a interesting little tidbit we can touch on there um, mm. to kind of talk about how the brand evolved over time. In the very
0: beginning, we were we were just an app company. We launched, you know, our first one was upsell. Then it was a a, a discount engine. Then it was uh, an app for creating like sophisticated options on products. Then it was customer pricing, which does like wholesale, VIP pricing, um, member pricing. Then we then it was like a store locator app. Anyways, every time someone would use one, they often wanted um, customization. And the partner community now is is great, you know. And even like, no matter how much you want to pay or how little, if you want like a task with like a store Tasker or Hey Carson, and you need a small thing, versus if you want to hire like an agency in New York. Uh, for a year long project like you can find agencies that wasn't always the case and so we went down um we we kind of like formed out this department that was basically uh we called it our professional services department it was it was like helping brands uh customize and build out and and of course that it expanded into like we did full builds we did everything that that team got up to about um 50 or 60 people um what kind of ended up happening in the end? I, I think two reasons. So that team d- doesn't. I mean, all the all the staff are still a bolt, but um, the 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 service doesn't really exist anymore. Um, and I think for two main reasons. One is focus. Like you nailed it. Um, it it's uh, you. Very few companies die. Like i just to touch on this earlier, but from lack of opportunities and lack of they they try to they they they. It's not because they say. Uh, it's because they say yes to too many things, not because they have to say no. And so, um, we were getting a little bit unfocused and it was affecting our, our product roadmap and what we wanted to, to build because it's easy when someone comes and says, Hey, I want to pay you a hundred thousand dollars to build this thing. And then, you know, maybe we didn't have the resources. So we would pull a couple developers off of some product, put it on um and then you know that would make that money which helped short term but it didn't future build a product that was like the long term goal of our company um and we kept finding ourselves in this like dilemma like we're okay what should we do like money now or build uh ip intellectual property that's ours that we can like grow and and so and then the other big thing is it um it became a bit of a of a um, misalignment between us and partners and we were always, and to this day, like we very, very clear, and never once did this ever happen. That, like, if a partner would recommend um, someone to us for one of our apps, like for example, a our subscription app, uh, if a partner would recommend, "Hey, you should use Bold for subscriptions," never would we try to uh, do professional services work for that for that partner. Like that was like a line in the sand we just did not cross. But it's hard. I can understand, and and you know, we have a number of partners that we're like really good friends with, and they said like, hey, I got to tell you, like, it's kind of like we compete with you on the professional services side. We want to recommend our brands to you to use your apps, but we're we're a little worried. Like, are you going to try to like take them on the professional services side? And of course, we said like, no, absolutely would not. But I could one hundred percent understand that the dilemma there. And so, basically, right at that point, like we said, no, we're shutting down our professional services department. We we want our goal is to enable partners. We we want to be the most partner first app company there is. Like that is our one of our like OKRs for the year, is and so, um, and that's why we've been so focused on like building our apps all API first and headless and. Like we have a team focused on developer docs and so that partners can take it and build anything they want on top of it. Um, But we did, we definitely didn't want that concern that if there might ever be something that like a client might move to bold, like that would, that will never happen. And so anyways, that that department, we shut down, we only do product now. Um, The only services we do is just on a product. So if you are using uh, like one of our apps and there's like some custom functionality. Like it wouldn't really make sense for a, a third party agency to build it. Like if it's some, something in the app, we, we do have a, a strong team that can do that, but nothing like, like we would never do like a, a site build or something like that. Like that's, um. but yeah, that was a, that's a hard journey. And I know a lot of, a lot of people probably go through that. And when someone's willing to pay and give you money, it's very hard to, uh, to say no, I'll tell you what helped, what worked for us is we we kind of got to a point where um, I actually remember the conversation. We were sitting together one day, the four of us, and 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 I said like, "Hey, why don't we why don't we mow people's grass for money?" And the others kind of said like, "Jay, that's a like a stupid thing to say." What do you mean? Of course, we're not a we're not a lawn mowing company. And I said, "Well, but yeah, but what if they were willing to pay us like three hundred dollars an hour, and we only have to pay a developer like fifty bucks an hour, and we're making money like." It, what if it made ridiculous money why don't we mow grass and you know the answer is well like when we thought about it we were like yeah why don't we mow grass like if it's super profitable why don't we but the the reason we decided in the end was it doesn't build the value of our company so there's things you can do that make money that don't grow the value of the company and there's things you can do that maybe don't make money but they grow the value of your company. So we started to shift to decisions that if it it, it was, does this grow the value of our company? Making money was secondary um, because we knew if we grew, and and the only way that we would grow value in the company is by building products that made more value for merchants. And so that was the line for us. Um, Agency work is great. And we work with tons of amazing agency partners. It just, for us, it wasn't... Our long-term long-term goal, so we had to we had to trim. Um, so we, as of today, yeah, we don't do any agency work anymore, and so we we send a ton of work to partners.
1: Absolutely, and I think we've got some referrals over the years. So thanks for that. Um, no problem. Try uh, to send more. <laughs> thanks. Uh, so there's one thing I just remembered from when we were talking about kind of just like the uh, the ecos the app ecosystem, and you you kind of touched on it, but I really want to highlight it here, which was the the concept that there are there are many apps that do the same thing, and I think that's something that someone that maybe turns off a younger entrepreneur is like, oh, there's already someone doing that. Like There's no way I can do that, which is uh, that's a bad mindset. And what I want to tell you right now is, if there's someone already doing it. All that tells you is that there is a market for that solution, and you should double down on that idea.
0: Yeah, totally. I think um, I think someone else in the space is a reason to that that you might be successful at it. I couldn't agree more. Um, I would actually be concerned if you were doing something that nobody else is doing. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if if that was the case, but maybe it's a red herring or something. You know, you might be wasting your time.
0: Yeah, and and if that is the case, if you do have an idea that no one's really doing yet. Um, Reach out to merchants and uh, get like ten on board to to be your first ten customers, and ask them uh, ask them to pay. Uh, don't just say like, "Hey, I'm going to give you this for free because I want you to help test it." Um, like pitch them the idea, and if they're not willing to. To pay, they they probably don't actually value the idea. They're just doing you a favor. Mm-hmm. The hardest thing in the early days of any entrepreneur is lip service from friends and family, and they're doing it out of a good place, like they have a good heart. But they'll say like, "Oh, that's great, yeah, that's, oh, oh, yeah, everyone will buy that." But until someone actually takes out their credit card and is willing to uh, pay for it, that's the that's the only vote that matters. So try to and, and if you if you don't have the ability to I mean you you can go in communities and forums or you can reach out to partners. Like if someone if someone reached out to me and said, Hey Jay, I'm I'm thinking about building SAP, I'm looking for like five or ten people, like can you think of anyone like I could probably think of like a hundred. Um and and if I reached out to some merchants like they would probably be happy. And if it was like a product that solved for you know inventory or some solved for um, tracking affiliate marketing or something else like I might know and people are always willing to help um if it helps a merchant and it doesn't it, there's no conflict of interest and it's a win-win like um but yeah that's that's uh definitely we've launched products for sure that um that there was no competitors um and we didn't really like do a lot of market research we just thought well oh, this is probably a cool idea like we think like one or two merchants like asked for it so we thought oh that's a signal that everyone should want this and that's why we at one point had 36 apps and today we have 18 like we've we've cut a lot
1: if you're struggling with scaling your sales maybe electric guy can help our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io, that's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E.io. Mesa is the Shopify expansion pack to level up your brand. By turning all your internet-connected apps into your business epicenter, Mesa can lighten your workload and tame the day-to-day chaos of running your store. Join other successful brands that have learned how to balance clever workflows with a solid infrastructure to get more done without more overhead. Whether you need to order data in Google Sheets, products on Etsy, or customers added to HubSpot, Mesa has you covered. Peace of mind is right around the corner when all your apps are working seamlessly together. To put it quite simply, Mesa is a better way to work. Search Mesa that's M E S A in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Is your store holiday ready? Now is the time to make sure you and your team are prepared for the busy season ahead. Gorgeous, an omnichannel help desk built for e-commerce has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all your customer inquiries. Their powerful functionality can save your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. Merchants can close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. Eric Bandholz, the founder of Beardbrand says, We're a 7-figure business and we have essentially 1 person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools such as Gorgeous to help us innovate. Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team. Visit gorgeous.grmsm.io/honest." Mention this podcast when you sign up to get 2 months free. That's gorgia slash h-o-n-e-s-t. Our partner Rewind can protect your Shopify store with automated backups of your most important data. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, and collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Trusted by over 100,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like NYX, Gatorade, and Movement Watches. Best of all, respond to any of their welcome emails and mention this podcast, Honest Ecommerce, and get your first month absolutely free. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember. Great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Clavio is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Clavio account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built in guidance. And with e commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go get started with a free account at com slash honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Let's pivot a bit now, and we were talking about how uh, you know we've seen some success with new apps kind of coming into the space on the tail end of new API releases. And you guys just completely redid one of your apps on the tail end, or actually, probably during the API release. I know you guys got an inside scoop of (laughs) Shopify. So let's talk about the new uh, the new Bold Subscription app.
0: Yeah, well, we were we were yeah we were involved in the in the build process. So like we worked with them. uh actually helping out like test the APIs before they were before they were released um that was the uh kind of like second or third attempt like shopify tried a few different ways um revamped the whole thing so uh yeah long story short now you know um last november shopify introduced APIs that allow uh essentially subscriptions to flow through their checkout so it, it was kind of a good timing for us because we, for the past two years, had been working on another version of our app that we were calling, we were, we were at the time calling it Bold Subscriptions Pro. We had our we had our normal Bold Subscriptions app. If you went to the store, we used to be called Recurring Orders at Bold Subscriptions, but um, essentially, it was an app that we tried to build every feature into, like our version one. We thought, like it had like every feature you could imagine, like you wanted, like. Do convertible subscriptions where subscriptions like automatically swap products for try before you buy or like buy something large, dynamic discounts you could program in, um, build a box functionality like buy buttons, um, email upsells. Like we built everything in and it was very powerful. But what it wasn't was it wasn't super flexible. Like it was pretty rigid. Like we didn't think of how can we like we when, when, when there was a problem or a feature, we tried to solve it in the app. And that's, that's very common. Um, When, when merchants are saying like, Hey, this, it's missing this feature. It's missing this feature. Um, Like, and as a product developer, your mindset is if someone says, you know, there's a saying, and I love it. It's like, if there's a, if there's a screw, uh, if you're selling a, a screw, a screwdriver, let's just say, um, you know, the, the, you might think it's all about the screwdriver, but what the customer actually wants is they want um, a screw in the wall. They don't actually care if it's a screwdriver or what gets it in. We just think it's a screwdriver, but what they really want is a screw on a wall. And then actually, is it even about the screw in the wall or is it about uh, the shelf they want to put there? And if you go one step further, is it, is it the shelf that even matters? Is it, they want a place to hang their books or to set their books? So when you take a step back, and what we've tried to do over the years is get really to the problem, not just like the like the the lipstick in the front to solve it, but what's really the problem they they want to when we understand okay they really want just a place to hang their books, we can forget about everything else and look at that, and it makes you think differently about how you solve it. And so with version two, uh, well it was Bolt subscriptions pro it's now called version two, um, we wanted brands to be able to do anything with their subscriptions. We wanted to build all the core functionality in. um, So you can have a subscription program up and running in 60 seconds. Um, Literally that fast, probably even faster. Um, You pick a couple products, click, I want to add 10% discount, apply, and you have subscriptions on your store. Um, That's like the basic out of the box, everything works. But if you wanted to build out like a very sophisticated uh, subscription flow where it's part of like a, a wizard, like a sign up wizard, or maybe you want to extend it somewhere. Maybe you want to have subscription functionality like in SMS or in Alexa um, or by voice or by email. Um, we have a lot of brands do this and it works really well instead of... I don't know if you subscribe to something, you ever forget your login or you probably have got something for a couple more months because you're like, oh, I keep forgetting to log in to change it. But... If an email came to you every month that said, Hey, your subscription's going out in three days. If, if everything's good, no action needed, or here's three buttons, snooze for a week, skip this month um, or pause. Um, and then you could just do it right from the email. And there's an API call that updates the subscription, or that can be by SMS, or that can be, Hey Alexa, when's my next coffee su- subscription coming? One week. Okay. Snooze in a week. Um, we, we thought the subscri- subscription experience doesn't have to live just on the front end of your store um, but also if you if you do want it on the front end of your store you want to customize it any way you want uh, we also saw the customer portal as a huge opportunity and we're seeing a couple brands now really take advantage of this and so then our customer portal by by customer portal I mean where you can manage subscriptions pause edit skip cancel all that um, but an interesting stat is over ninety percent of people who make a subscription log into their customer portal at least once. So you've got this piece of real estate on your website and your kind of growth marketing. Um, if you want a tip for growth marketing and if you're a subscription brand, is merchandise that page. Put in exclusive offers in there or upsells or cross sells only for subscribers that they can go in there and with one click add to their next. Upcoming subscription, um, you don't—they don't have to re-enter their credit card or anything like that again. So I won't go down a rabbit trail on that. But that's a huge opportunity. We saw a brand just uh, a week ago redid their customer portal, put in um, some offers in there that were member-only offers. They sent—they have tens of thousands of subscribers, but they did a test. They sent an email to just over three thousand, and just under fifteen hundred um, accepted the offer. So their exact conversion was 44%. So 44% of existing subscribers accepted the offer to add it to next month's subscription. And you know when they say like, it's 25 times cheaper to market to an existing customer than to Mm -hmm. acquire a new one? Like, it's true. It really is true. Oh yeah. Um, And I bet you 90% of brands that have a subscription, once they get that customer subscribed, That's all they care about. And then they just care about churn. They like, how do I reduce churn? But you really should be thinking, how do I increase the value of that customer, sell more to them, make them more satisfied anyways. um, But version two, um, yeah, we, we launched that it's uh, so it goes through Shopify checkout and currently works with Shopify payments, authorize.net and, uh, uh, sorry, um, PayPal express Mm We just launched that as well too. Um, And it's going really well. It's, it's made a lot of things more seamless. So, like if you use upsell after checkout apps, for example, like you know Zipify and uh, CartHook and those kind of things, like they just work out of the box. Mm-hmm. A lot of the analytics things, Clavio, um, different tools, because it's going through Shopify, it just it just works a lot more seamless. And so it's been
1: it's been great. Yeah, you're you're touching on something I wanted to bring up. It was was uh th- what. What is the difference? Like what was happening before that made the original way that subscriptions worked and anything that was manipulating the checkout work versus now? Like what is the advantage to me as a merchant? Why should I upgrade if I've already done this before?
0: Okay, that's a really good question. Um and and our like message that we're telling all of our brands is like y- y- you you don't necessarily need to upgrade and Shopify isn't forcing anyone to upgrade it currently. Like it doesn't actually, it's a very good solution going through Shopify checkout. It actually doesn't work for everyone yet. So like there's a lot of payment gateways that are still aren't supported Um, different currencies, different parts of the world um, and, and certain functionality too. Um, But I'll say like Shopify is very transparent. There's a there's a page on their developer docs where they've actually, and they don't do this for a lot of areas, but they've posted the roadmap for what's coming for functionality, like what payment gateways are being added. Um, Shopify doesn't typically post roadmap ahead of time because things change, but they've done that for this one small area. Um, so uh, we actually have a, uh, if someone's using version one, uh we have this kind of questionnaire they go through where they check a bunch of boxes like are you using this feature are you doing this are you doing this and it's it's um if you're just using it basic and you you haven't done a ton of customization to version 1 uh you could you can just upgrade it it's like it's Seamless. We actually have a tool that auto-upgrades you. Um, you don't lose any subscriber data. Subscribers don't need to re-enter credit cards. Their subscription will ship one month with the previous version, and then the next month with the new version. Like customer, a customer would actually wouldn't even know um, that you upgraded in the backend. Um, but I definitely wouldn't say you should be like if a brand right now listening is using the previous version, and there's a lot of people that are, I wouldn't run around and be like, oh, I need to upgrade. I need to upgrade. Um, talk to you can talk to us. Like you can reach out to support and say you're thinking about it, and we can send you this this kind of questionnaire that helps think does it make sense, does it not make sense, and maybe it does or maybe it doesn't. But it's as 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 great as, as, great as it is. Um, Shopify is still very actively working on a lot of functionality, um, so you might be doing something that isn't supported yet, but it might be in a month or it might be in two months, and we can help tell brands okay this is a month away this is six months away or no you're good to go today um, but I wouldn't do it without checking first yeah and and that's happened and it's not easy to go back so um absolutely just 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 reach out and we can help yeah
1: all right so so I I've done this questionnaire I'm good to go but what is the advantage to me as a merchant it's not broke I don't need to fix it that's kind of what I've already heard here what's the advantage to moving to the consolidated checkout?
0: The main thing is it it's one checkout to manage. So you're going through Shopify's checkout. It It is a, a number of other apps just work out of the box. So if there's other functionality that like, if you're doing things with, um, you know, uh, thank you emails, maybe you've customized, maybe you're using like a Spently or receiptful, or like you're using like a upsell after checkout app, or you're using, I don't know, some analytics, like, um, actually the analytics ones, they're still not quite fully, um, there's still some work to be done there, but but a lot of the apps do work a lot more seamless. Yeah. Um there's still some work to be done, but but in general like I mean there actually isn't a choice so like if you go to the App Store right now and install any subscription app, it's going to go through Shopify checkout. They've they've kind of said that like no more apps can have their own checkout for subscriptions and then Shopify checkout for one-time orders. So um eventually everyone will be on Shopify checkout. Um it's yeah, it's you leverage all the advantages that Shopify checkout has. They don't support yet Shop Pay though. I think that was one big uh, misconception. So it supports Shopify payments. And what that means is Shopify payments is a gateway, Shop Pay is a payment method. So Shop Pay is merchant is customer facing. Shopify payments is merchant facing. So if I use Shopify payments, I'm, I, I create my Shopify store, I use Shopify payments, uh, and that means I can accept Visa, MasterCard, American Express, whatever. Now, if a customer checks out on my store, they don't see Shopify payments anywhere. They just see, enter my credit card. So, that, so the customer still has to enter their credit card. They don't get that one-click shop pay experience. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not available yet for subscriptions. And that's been a bit of a... Um, a lot of i think a lot of people get confused in general the difference between shopify payments and shop pay um so they think it's one in, one and the same and they and and they want to switch yeah they did a really good job at naming those <laughs> yeah <laughs> well now it's I, I think we've done a pretty good job getting people clear on it but yeah. that that was one thing that caused a lot of confusion so
1: yeah i think we danced around it but i let's just i just want to really call it out here right now is so, so like historically with any App app in the app store for Shopify that was manipulating the checkout via either like subscriptions or post purchase upsells. Anything. The old method, it would clone the checkout experience. Some people wouldn't even notice that they had a different checkout. Uh, you know, unless it was really called out by the brand or they're actually reading what's going on with installing the app. Mm-hmm. So basically, it'd be the whole front end experience of Shopify all the way to the cart. Once you hit checkout, it would instead of going to the Shopify's checkout. It would now go to a cloned checkout that was powered by Bold or, or whatever app. Um, so, where that creates kind of some, some oddities that we saw from an agency side was discounting. Holy crap. That was mm-hmm. always like a, a, a really uh, f- interesting endeavor. Um, also, mixed carts would sometimes just cause a giant, uh, just. I don't know. It was just annoying. Uh, so, that was always something that we kind of saw. Gift cards were another thing that were kind of confusing at times. Um, so, there's just a lot of extra stuff that you wouldn't consider causing an issue using a secondary yeah. checkout. But now it's, you know, that's not an option anymore. And everything's going into the one checkout. And because Shopify realized that, like, hey, these are the issues. And the easiest solution is just let us plug our stuff in here.
0: Yeah. Well, and you're, you're right on all of those points. Like, um discounts were challenged. We had a solution for it. There was a, a an, it was actually another app you install called the discount connector and it would sync discounts. So you could create discounts in Shopify and then it would work in the subscription checkout. Um, but you could also, there was discount management in the subscription checkout. So you could create coupon codes that only worked for subscriptions, but, um, but in, but it, but it created more, more work to set it all up and sync everything. Yeah, um, yeah no, you're, it, it absolutely. And like, Shopify um as i mean this a, a trend that's happening right now in commerce is uh of course I, like where the shopping experience happens probably won't always be the storefront and it already isn't like we're shopping on social media we're shopping in um in video we're shopping in in apps we're shopping in on voice we're shopping all over uh, i think we'll probably be shopping in like in Netflix or in i think Amazon Prime has said they're testing being making shows shoppable so you can shop what people are wearing and Ooh. see what products are in a scene
1: um, there's i do you know what i really like about amazon prime this is a, well first of all the app itself is garbage but when you're actually <laughs> watching a show and you pause the show and it tells you what you actors see are in the that actors. scene yeah. Yeah. that is amazing
0: yeah but yeah. it's my i have an 8 year old daughter and it's like my favorite thing cuz like if we pause like Harry Potter or something, and you're like, "Whoa, that's what that guy actually looks like." Yeah, it's like nothing like the guy in the show. Um, but yeah, like so, you know, with with uh, Shopify used to be that their value was they were a e-commerce platform that you could easily build a store. But less and less people are caring about the store, and and even like a lot of large large brands on Shopify, like they don't actually use Shopify's. Um, CMS, they're using like a, a, a some type of other front end. They're using Contentful. They're using like Shogun's got a great front end. We've seen a lot of brands going to their. new... I don't know if you've played around with that, but it's they've got Shogun Page Builder, but it's also Shogun Front End. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Progressive Web App. It's like it's lightning fast, and um, when you're and the reason why that matters is uh, just a small tangent, but like if you're coming, if you're on Instagram. And you're, st- and you know, when someone says like, oh, how does three seconds make a big difference? Like if I want a product, I'm going to wait three seconds. And that's true. If you're searching for it on Google, like if I'm searching for, I don't know, like snowboard sh- boots or something. And I search for it on Google, I'm going out and I'm like spearfishing. I'm looking for that product. I'm hunting. I'm going to find it. I'm going to wait for a page to load. But if I'm scrolling on Instagram and my thumb is moving a mile a minute and I see an ad for something, and if I click that ad, and if the page doesn't come up as fast as the next post, like I'm, I'm X I'm on because it's kind of like this mindless thing. And so that's where these lightning fast front ends help out is, uh, we're seeing uh, social co- brands come from social, their conversion be like over 30% by, by moving to like a, a lightning fast front end. So long story short, um the value when you think when you're a company you have to think like what is our value to the customer and shopify's value used to be that it was the store but as less and less transactions uh, um initiate there um they've started to place more value on on their checkout and see that as a key piece of their long-term strategy and so you you know their goal of course is that or their hope is that you can kind of shop anywhere but you're still having to use their checkout because um, I mean, let's face it, like Shopify is, they're, they're up, they're a, a, almost as much a payments company as they are an e-commerce yeah. company. I think actually in, when you listen to their earnings calls, like their payments revenue is, is equal or I, I don't quote me on this, like equal or more, but it's a lot, it's substantial. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has to be core to their strategy. And so, um, all aside, like what you said earlier is probably true. You could make arguments that, um, It may or may not be true, but for Shopify strategy, they need people going through their checkout. Um, It isn't like the world was complaining about these other checkouts. There was some issues, there was some rough things, but like it's it's core to where Shopify needs to be in five years. Mm -hmm. So, which I think I'll I'll say like I think it's a good thing, and I'll just like I'm not saying that this with any type of like. Oh, they did this because it's a launch of strategy. I, I think it generally makes things better for merchants. Like it, yeah. it is a, it is a like it's a great experience.
1: Well, so. it just you know it makes things way more seamless. And it's like merchants want to sell their product. They're, they're product people. They have they're creative. You know they don't they don't want the technical stuff that comes along with computers just being computers. Which to anyone that doesn't work with them all day long, they are so dumb. They only do exactly what you yeah. tell them. And me, as a merchant, like it that should just work that logically in my mind, that should work. Why do I need this integrator to make this thing? You know what I mean? all those just kind of extra work is frustrating, so just trying to make things seamless and easy. You know, it, it makes it make sense. Uh, Jay, I, I've had a fantastic conversation. Um, is there anything that I forgot to ask you about that you want to share with our listeners?
0: No, I'll just add this. I mean, on the topic of subscriptions, like this version too. Like right now, we're we're uh, giving away free for sixty days. So, like, if anyone is thinking about starting subscriptions. Um, uh, Gartner Research put out a, a, a study, I, I think it was about a year ago, that by 2023, it was 75% of D2C brands will have a subscription membership offering. Um, we're seeing brands in every vertical uh, have some type of a It's not just that, like, okay, I sell coffee or I sell deodorant. It really, I mean, you can sell clothing, you can sell anything and have and layer in membership. And, you know, I always tell people subscription is a, is a is a is a transaction decision membership is really what your customers crave and so and and a subscription app is a way to monetize membership and membership can be access to exclusive content access to you you're the you're the founder if you have like I'm a member of like one of our clients is a foreign affair winery they they use our app but I'm also a member and I get an email once a month with my new wine that comes I can do a virtual. Wine tasting with the head sommelier. He opens it, shows it what it pairs with, how it was made. Like that's value that members members crave. Things like that. Um, so I would just say if anyone is thinking like and wants to get ahead of the game for the next two to three years, think about how membership can play into your strategy. Um, customers want to be a member, and if you can if you can package that up and monetize it, your 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 chance of success is way better. And not just that, you're... Your value as a company, like we're seeing some of our brands get investment at eight to ten x their annual recurring revenue that they do through our app. So, if you sell, and, and you know, like uh, I, Jonathan Kennedy's, he's got like a good friend, and he's got like he has a, a a marketplace for selling websites. And if you look at what a typical value valuation is of a of a store selling one time products, it's like thirty to forty percent. EBITDA so like it's earnings after uh um uh interest dividends taxes appreciation it's kind of like all the expenses like what's left and it's a percentage of that but brands that are doing recurring revenue they're getting uh like 8 to 10x top line so a, a, a brand doing a million dollars in subscription is potentially worth 8 to 10 million a, a brand doing a million dollars in one time is potentially worth 300 to 400,000 so it's it can drastically change the long-term value of the company. So we're big proponents of it. And that's why we've really doubled down. So I would just say if anyone wants to uh, get started, we'd love to help. And we are we have it free for 60 days for anyone to try and um, be awesome to work with some of the people listening.
1: Yeah, yeah. What's the URL that I go to if I'm interested in this?
0: Yeah, just you know, boldcommerce.com and it's right up at the top. Just click on subscriptions. That's
1: the easiest way. Awesome. Jay, thank you so much for coming on today.
0: My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.